Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their podfather. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. This week on the Vagabonds, we're going to be talking about abortion again and how it currently stands in the world today. Hi. Hi. Oh, that was very good. Thank you. You did very well. Thank you. We're trying to, we're, you know what? New year, new us. Right. Also, yes. that's actually true because we're doctors. That's right. <laughs> true. Congratulations. Thank Big you. fucking congratulations <clears throat> to you guys. Thank, Thank you. Uh, yeah, it, it, well, it's our, practically our one year yeah, two days away from our one year And we're doctors. And you we guys play have, in this intentionally. You guys have utterly changed yeah. completely. And I'm a year older. What up, bitches? Oh, yeah. You it, was, guys, it was my birthday. You guys look smarter. Thank you. Yeah. We were actually talking about this on the car on the way over here. And people are like, do you feel different? And I'm like, actually, I'm probably stupider than I was. <laughs> like, I haven't been on a rotation for the past two weeks. And before, like, I mean, I haven't been on a rotation that was like actually... But, like challenge like the rotation i was on was really good and like taught me a lot but i wasn't on one that like actually like really challenged me for like um at least eight months kicked your ass like in the sense that yeah it was like you know yeah like i learned a lot of good skills way. on this rotation but like not any like new unprecedented things and whatever it's like i'm probably smarter a year ago than i am now what about i think that's true what about you corbs are you uh I feel way, uh, yeah, smarter and more distinguished, honestly. Mm-hmm. Her style has changed. Her yeah. walk has changed. Yeah. Everything Definitely about not Corbin still wearing the same sweatshirt. And actually, <laughs> I did get a new sweatshirt. So. It's very nice. You know, which means, comparatively speaking, I've become stupider. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm just so ready to agree like, with yeah. that. No. Correct. Uh, what? <clears throat> so, you got, you got, so graduation, I was at graduation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that. That made me feel a lot better. He was making funny faces at us from uh-huh. the the side, the sides. I was there with Rob uh, Humble, one of your one mm-hmm. of your uh, one of the M threes. Yeah. And Rob was watching you guys. You, you know, you took your your oath at the end. Oh God, I almost started crying. And Rob, at the end, you know, you guys were applauding. Uh-huh. Everybody was applauding, and Rob said. God, that looks like it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> it did kind of feel good when at the end, after we said our oath and it was all over and everyone stood up and was clapping for yeah, us. I was yeah. like, I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> Four years later. After, so like, we all get, de- you know, we all get like declared as doctors at the same time. And then we all walk by and get our diploma. And after we had like all sat down from getting our diploma and we're like about to read our oath, I was like, so Shishi was sitting next to me and I was like, Shishi, this is where I start to cry. And he's like, grabbed my hand and he's like, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, Shishi, I know he's cry. the best. He got married on Saturday. I saw it. Did he get married at the courthouse? I don't know. I don't know if this is. Anyway, is this the right this place? Is good podcast banner. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. He's cool. He's a classic. He, does he have a prenuptial agreement? I don't know. Well, I just saw a picture of them in street clothes and like they're oh. like, oh, we got married. I did appreciate our oath. Um, it was very pro-choice, which is like a perfect segue to oh, what yeah. we're talking about today. But I don't know. I thought it was. Did you think it was? 
Yeah. Because it basically said that, like, I have no right to, like, choose for my patients, essentially. Yeah. That's what it said. I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I have read in the past couple of days a study conducted by our friend Loris Calgin on oaths uh-huh. uh, that medical students take during graduation. And it was very interesting in the sense that, of course, they're not all the same, but many of them don't mention things that you would think would be very important to take an oath on. Apparently, our oath is pretty good. It does leave some things out that you might otherwise think is important. So our oath is a misnomer because we voted on an oath to take as a class. So not every class uses the same one. Mm, that's true. I forgot about that. <clears throat> so the one that we just took was very, uh, pretty much everyone just voted for the shortest one, <laughs> which is what I voted for. So it's fine. Yeah. Alex, Alexander Griner was his co-author. Mm. Oh. Uh, he's an MSTP student. Yes, he is. Um, he was in our class. And uh, they, they found that, uh, only five ethical values were expressed in the majority <laughs> of oaths. So confidentiality, obligation to the profession, beneficence, avoiding discrimination, and honor and integrity. Um, many of them don't include things like respect for patient autonomy. See, I feel like that was in ours. Um, well, anyway, it, I, I think that's, I just think it's interesting. Um, we can put a link to this in the, in the show notes yeah, if you're, if you're curious. Um, well, cause that's just interesting cause the original Hippocratic oath, like everyone thinks that we take the Hippocratic oath, which we totally don't cause we, I don't swear to Apollo anything. So anyway, um, but like the original Hippocratic oath is very like anti-abortion actually. Yeah. Which whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't want to swear to, to Apollo. I mean, I could, I don't care. I mean, I guess it, in some ways it asks like, what, what is, what is the point of the oath? Like what yeah. the oath that we make? It's not like right. It's symbolic. It's, it's not, yeah, yeah, it's symbolic. But you're standing up in front of your families and your former professors and your and your colleagues and saying, "This is what I pledge to do." So no, it's not binding. It's symbolic. Um, I think that I think it's an important part of the like graduation ceremony, but I don't know that like it including everything is that important because right. I feel like those va like those values were either instilled in you in medical school or they weren't right you yes. know what i yes, mean yes i agree and this. so the education you get prior to saying this oath is going to be what's makes you be an ethical provider not the oath that you swear graduation nobody's like reading that oath and be like oh shit i should think about these things right <laughs> yeah. you know well, what yeah, exactly patient autonomy so i mean i just yeah I don't know that it's that important that it covers every single topic of the I'm sure Dr. Calgin would disagree with me, but Yeah, he probably would. He most certainly would. But it's not yeah, yeah I mean I mean it is yeah, it's symbolic. That's the thing. It's like symbolic. but all of graduation ceremony is symbolic, so but yes, I agree. Like if yeah, exactly what you said. If it's not instilled in you already by the time you've graduated, then the medical school has failed or something has failed, you know. Yep. Yeah. So anyway. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. It was a it was a lovely, touching moment. Yes. I'm glad we got. I'm glad you guys got to sit through another round of uh, our 
our uh, <laughs> lovely Dean, Chris Cooper's uh, urology, uh, jokes. urology jokes one last time. One last time. Yep. Yeah, good times. I talked about how our oath was like pretty pro-choice from, I mean, my interpretation, which is obviously skewed by my The most views. important interpretation there is. Right, but. to me. Anyway, so um, this there's a lot of stuff that has happened or is going to be happening soon on the state of abortion in the world. And so I thought it would be a good topic to revisit and just talk about what's happening and what we can do. Um, so first on the docket is the fact that Iowa now has the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. Yay, Iowa. Of the U.S. So, um, needless to say, I'm not very happy about it. How did this happen? Well, you see, Iowa... How did we go from... Elected a bunch of Republicans mm-hmm. who hate women. How did party we, Republicans. How did we go yeah. from being among the first in the nation to... Uh, affirm the right to yeah. to same sex marriage, to being the the state with the most restrictive, mm-hmm. regressive uh, abortion law. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it's real annoying. It is. I have a theory. I feel like my state is being held hostage. Just on a side note, I did too. Also, it just like pisses me. Like I did not like Brandstad. To be fair, but I just feel like Kim Reynolds. I'm just like even more annoyed because I'm like, you were not elected. Get out. Yeah. Stop signing things. Which mm. I like understand. That's how democracy works. Yeah. Because like well, you know how are yeah like how it was set up. Yeah. Is that like if someone leaves office? But it's really hard to. Also, I feel like it's different if someone dies versus if someone was a, like appointed to a different position because then you have time to have another election. That's you a, know. Yeah. Like, if someone dies, you don't have time to have another election. But, like, Branson's fucking our ambassador to China or whatever, right? That's what he is? Yeah. Or something? So, like, there was time to have another election. Yeah. Anyway, A little whatever. planning. Little- and, oh, I just... Cameron, she just, like, pisses me off so much. She was in the fucking Tulip Time Parade, and I told Corbin this already. I booed her when she drove by, <laughs> and I was going to flip her off, but there was children in front of me. So, anyway, whatever. I just can't. I don't know why. So, did you boo, like, real hard? Not yeah. like super loud. Boo. Not like the not like the lady from the Princess Bride. <laughs> but boo. Boo. anyway, but what, uh, what's your theory, Dave? Yeah, tell us your theory. It's it's probably a half baked theory, but you know we've got a, a a crazy president in the White House. We've got crazy Tea Party people in control of the the Senate and the House uh, at the national level. I think people are sheep. They're Mm -hmm. being led, you know, whatever party is in power on the national level, everybody else just sort of moves in that direction. And then, because, I mean, we had, no, not everybody was happy with Obama. Not everybody was happy with Bill Clinton. Not Mm -hmm. everybody was happy with, you know, Reagan. But, like, it just seems like it, sort of wins back and forth depending on who's at, in power yeah. nationally. Like, have, oh, it's okay to be an a-hole now, basically, in 2018. Right. So we're all going to be a-holes. Right. I have a different theory. Okay. The DCCC is a disaster that abandons local races. Yeah, that's true. 
That's why. That's yeah. what I think, at least. Yeah. At least they did in the last four. Yeah. Like they have in the last like eight years, probably, I would say. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I feel like the DCC is like my kid and the RCC is like or the like DNC and the RNC and like the RNC is someone else's kid. We're like, I expect my kid to be better. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I'm like very disappointed, but like I expect the other person's kid to be an asshole. <laughs> like the yeah. RNC is like I'm not surprised that they're assholes. But yeah. like the DNC kind of like fucked up and like anyway, whatever. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that. I just don't trust the I sound like a creep. Don't trust, you don't trust the, the government. Systems. Oh yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I don't trust well, it. well, I just don't. I mean, institutions. Be, in my opinion, I guess institutions are just naturally going to end up being corrupt because right. eventually institutions only exist to preserve themselves. Right. And I feel like the DNC is the same way as the RNC is in a lot of ways. You know. Yes. I mean, they're not equal. That's for sure. But like in terms of bad things done but right it's still an institution and it's still i mean i think that there are probably a lot more good people in my opinion you know on this yeah yeah i know but well but like oh well it's even like with the this is becoming a political podcast that's okay um you know with the freaking debates Mm mm-hmm why don't we and the super delegates? Why don't we just let the people decide? But the DNC couldn't let people decide. Right, yeah, you know they had a medal in the whole Bernie versus Hillary crap, and it's like maybe Hillary would have won, but you. But they tried to meddle in it too much because right. they wanted their person and they wanted to, you know, protect the old guard. And then yeah, here we are. Yeah, and whether you know she would have won or not is you can't say that. But people are mad, and you. Pissed a lot of people off. So mm-hmm. if you would have just not, and maybe you would have had the same outcome, but let more people yeah. would have been, you know, for on your on, side. Bo- on board with you. Yeah. Yes. What about but, that abortion thing? Though? So yeah. well, Sorry. I was just gonna say, I want to say my theory. <laughs> you, can quote, you can take out most of that rant. No, I liked it. So my theory it, is, yeah. we were talking about this after graduation with my brother, and I I love my brother, and he is like surprising me and how much more moderate he is than I thought he was before. So my whole family is conservative, but he is like pretty moderate. And he was like jokingly said, Katie, I'm a straight white male. I'm at the top of the food chain. Why would I want things to change? And like a joking way of like, Mm -hmm. like, yes, I get it. Like, I understand why you're frustrated, but like, this is why people push back. And I mean, I, I think that's what it is, is like right now, like we just had like equal marriage passed we have had all these things that are like good and i think that people at the top of the proverbial food chain are realizing like oh Oh, shit i don't like other people being in power yeah or having basic decent human rights and so now i'm like gonna be more of an asshole because my friends are like me in power and we can actually do something i i mean i think that's what's happening what is that phrase equality feels like oppression when you're used to privilege or something like that yeah 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 no that makes total sense to me yeah, yeah. Um, three different theories yeah three different theories they're probably all partially partially correct, correct. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so anyway okay so the what it's being called the fetal heartbeat law which iowa's fetal heartbeat law. i like read something really funny that was like it really should be called a like the fetal um like cyanotropic cardiac myocyte law or something like that because it's like not actually a heart at this you know at six weeks it's when just it, like a little it's literally like a couple cells right yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so I'll just like go talk about what it is. So basically, this law says that you cannot provide an abortion unless a abdominal ultrasound has been performed and no heartbeat has been detective detected. So that basically essentially means that you cannot have an abortion beyond six weeks gestation. So for people who've listened to our podcast before, we all know that six weeks gestation actually means more like, what is it, like 10, 10 weeks, right? No, eight weeks. It's yeah. plus two weeks, yeah. Because so, usually we don't know. Because fertilize, cause it's from, so right. men, um, we use post-menstrual dating, and there's two weeks typically between the last period and ovulation. And so that's how people, anyway. So it's approximately eight weeks, which people are pointing out correctly that this is before a lot of people know that they're pregnant. Yeah. Which is true, Um, which sucks. So anyway, okay. So then it's interesting that they included that it's an abdominal ultrasound because that's like less sensitive. Yeah. Um, Yeah, usually... Than other methods. Then, so usually it's a transvaginal ultrasound at that early, um, which just means that the ultrasound is the ultrasound probe is like in the vagina, which is like closer to the endometrial cavity than it would be going through the abdominal wall. Yeah. It was a very. Con- it seemed like from reading the text of the bill, it seemed like a very conscious choice because they said it twice: abdominal ultrasound at least twice yeah. in the bill. Well, I think it's it, that was to prevent people from using a stethoscope. So, like, if you right. said when you can hear a heartbeat and they didn't say how to hear a heartbeat, then we could just all use stethoscopes and just do abortions whenever we wanted. But if you they know? were, yeah. I, I guess I, I mean, don't understand. Until, like, third trimester, basically. I guess I don't understand, like, and, and this is getting, I mean, you know, never, never, never ascribe to conspiracy what could just be, you know, a bunch of dumbasses. Mm-hmm. But if you were going to make it as sure as possible that you could detect a heartbeat you would use the transvaginal ultrasound you wouldn't specify right the abdominal I wonder if it's a pr thing and i yeah because i wonder like if it was a transvaginal ultrasound people would be like the republican party wants to stick things in your vagina oh, yeah which well. i mean is true but anyway <laughs> yes they want to yeah. insert themselves there yes. but anyway i mean but also like any Joe Schmo at a fake abortion clinic or a fake women's health clinic can use an abdominal Doppler ultrasound. Uh, yeah. Like they sell those on the internet. Yeah. So like that's something that everyone can do. Uh, so you can have people going to these like fake women's health clinics and you like, have, be like, Oh, you have a heartbeat. So I, you have just cleared up for me. The thing that I was, yeah. have been perseverating on for a couple of weeks. So basically it's a travesty and it's like very public knowledge that the point of this, that they know that this bill is going to get sued out of like becoming an actual like legal law of the land, but they want it to go to the Supreme court. They want to overturn Roe v. Wade is what's happening. Yeah. Which I don't know, whatever. Let's just hope RBG hangs on for, yeah. for like eight more years. Well, and then Grassley. This past week was like, hey, uh, old Supreme Court judges, time to think about retirement before, you know, we can't uh, bring in new justices after the midterm elections when the Democrats are going to take over. Yeah. Uh, Which which seemed to me like, hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's many reasons for that to to happen, but I couldn't help 
Oh, but, yeah. But think, About you know, this. oh, they're they're seeing their chance mm-hmm. to overturn Roe v. Wade. They just got to get another conservative justice in there. I mean, that's can the we thing, just, though. Like, like no. I don't know who's going to retire. That's that's not like I don't know who would listen to Grassley and retire who would vote against this. Yeah, that's a there's a you flaw know? in my there's a flaw in my yeah. reason. No, there, it's but. a flaw. No, Republicans are asking people to do this. It's a flaw in their logic. Like only your conservative judges are going to They retire. just like want to appoint someone who's more conservative, I guess, for the future. I don't know. Yeah, well, or I maybe mean, they're just appeasing people, their, their base. People like my sense is yes, there have been very conservative judges, right? Mm-hmm. But my sense is and, and and listeners correct me if I'm wrong, if you know better. But my sense is that um, once you get to the Supreme Court justice, once you once you're a Supreme Court justice, you tend more towards the middle. Yeah, because what you say is like can be that's I've like heard about this where like if you're a Supreme Court justice, you have to like make sure that your ruling like is pretty specific because unless. So we are clearly not legal scholars. No, but. I'm just like trying to think of how to phrase this that. There's like a really good, I'm trying to remember what podcast it was, but they talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and how like she basically like set up all of her cases that she did when she was a lawyer that she fought before the Supreme Court as like trying to set up future precedent for like equality. Mm. So like she would take a lot of cases with like men as the, um, the, the plaintiffs, plaintiffs who yeah. like so that like she would like make this case for equality that even men would agree with so that like on the back end she could get like equality for women and so like basically like the supreme court tends toward the middle because they are what they say basically goes for the whole entire country for years and years and years to come and so like you and and then there's like nine of them and it has to be like you know there's like a majority and a minority opinion but your majority isn't always who you think it will be. And so like you have to like write your majority opinion as something that like everyone in the majority can agree on basically. Yeah. So it does tend towards the middle. Right. Is that make sense, Corbin, what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so what? Yeah. Okay. That is true. It does like lean towards the more moderate side, which is good. But no one well, in our current administration cares about checks and balances. So what the fuck right. do I know? Right. Um, okay, so more about the bill. So the ex- exceptions for um, the abortions are if the mother was raped and reports the rape to a law enforcement agency, a public or private health agency, or a family physician within 45 days. No problem. Um, I mean, this is from the Des Moines Register, but I like how it says family physician, but not OBGYN. I just like... I don't know oh. if that's like used as an umbrella term or they specifically is did that, they specifically in, exclude other kinds of physicians. I don't know. That would be fucked up if they did. Um, number two, if the mother was a victim of incest and reports the issue to a law enforcement agency or a public private health agency or a family physician within 140 days. The next one uh, is if a physician certifies that the fetus has an abnormality that in the physician's judge reasonable reasonable medical judgment is incompatible with life so that's like basically saying that like if you have a child with like a a lethal illness or lethal abnormality that like you don't you aren't required to carry them to term which like is a fair thing okay the last one this like pisses me off so much Mm -hmm. if quote not all the products of conception are expelled unquote following a spontaneous miscarriage this pisses me off because that's not a fucking 
Like, that's not termination. Yeah. That's not what they're talking about. Wait, wait, wait. They're wait, talking wait, wait, wait. about a normal gynecologic procedure that happens all the goddamn time, and they're trying to legislate it, and it pisses me off. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I, I hadn't heard this one. Okay. So, if... Okay, spontaneous miscarriage, also known as a spontaneous abortion. It's... Abortion is not a bad word. This, like, also pisses me off. It's a... Okay. Thing. So... It's a medical term. A miscarriage. If someone has a miscarriage, like, the fetus dies, and it is expelled. Okay. Well, sometimes parts of the fetus or parts of the placenta are left inside yeah. and you have to remove it with a dilation and curatage, uh-huh. which a DNC, it's like a super common procedure and we do it for other things too. But this is saying that like, it's okay. According to the law, I can keep doing my job and do something that's like medically appropriate for my patient also by removing the fetal tissue. If you don't do that, I mean, like, I mean, this should be, first of all, what I'm about to say shouldn't matter because as Katie said. This is not a termination of pre- like pregnancy. Right, the pregnancy just, has already been terminated. Yeah, by your body. Right. Like it's yeah. not. Yeah. So it shouldn't even be in the law like that. But um, if something, if you don't go out and like remove the remaining products of conception, like a woman could get septic and die. Yeah. So they're saying you can't do that? No, like you can. They're saying that it's okay for you to do that. Oh. But like we're like, gee, look at us. We're so nice. We're allowing you to do your jobs. Like if we didn't do this, we would get sued. Yeah. This is like a part of our job that's like required. That's kind of like saying like if someone's baby had an intrauterine demise, so like the baby just passing yeah. away in intrauterinely, that it's okay for the doctor to go in and and remove it remove the baby hmm. okay it's also like saying if maybe if they just you have to- had a tumor of if you, it's like saying if you had a cancer or something that was going to kill you they're basically making a law that says it's okay for me to go take it out of you like why does that need to be a law it doesn't that's stupid hmm. yeah anyway it just like pisses me off so much Anyway, this, it's just like basically OB guys are the, like the most regulated physicians. We like have the most laws pertaining to what we can and cannot do. And it's uh, risky to be an OB gin too. Yeah, because, it's super like you know litigious. People, yeah. people sue at the drop of a hat when it comes to and our statute of limitations. And- yeah, lasts until the child that you deliver is eighteen years old. Yeah, or more if they're disabled. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. It's like so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's like half my career. Anyway, okay, so that's that. And basically, Iowa sucks, and I'm pissed, and I hate everyone. Also, there's like all these worries. So part of the ACGME accreditation rules for an OB-GYN residency is that you have to provide abortions, like training to your residents. And there's like some places that don't really, it's like an opt-in program. So basically, they don't really do it. But if you want it, they have to have it available to you. Iowa has an opt-out program, which means that it's in your curriculum, and if you don't want to like take part in that procedure, you just don't take part in that specific procedure. But you they do, already like, had this. Yeah, this is the way it is now. But with a change that this is supposed to make, there are questions about if we will keep our accreditation, because if we can't provide any terminations, then how are we going to stay accredited through the ACGME? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's like questions about what Iowa is going to do. And this is a big deal. This, this is a right. Okay. Yeah. This is why this is a big deal because Iowa is fucking like 50 out of 51 state states plus Puerto Rico, I think, in number of OB guides per capita. Right. We have the second least number of OB guides per capita in the United States. Right. We and have the, none. 
And the reason for that right now is because it's a rural state. Right. Um, and there just isn't a lot of, you know, there, there just aren't a lot of OBs practicing in, in rural Iowa. Right. There's relatively few urban areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where all the OB-GYNs are. And that's where all, all the OB-GYNs are. They're not in the small counties and cities. And now, if this law were to go into effect, we would have, what, a situation where we couldn't train new OB-GYNs. Right. Potentially. Unless we open up a clinic, a clinic in Illinois. That's like the current, yeah. Well, who the hell would practice in Iowa yeah, I know. as an OB-GYN, even if they were able to get trained by an Iowa institution, who the hell would practice in Iowa? Yeah. So now we've got potentially a steadily decreasing and perhaps zero. Yeah. OB-GYNs well, because in Iowa. the best way to like keep doctors in a state is have them train, do the residency there. Yeah. Like that's like why? I mean, people don't like usually like most people practice within like how, like a hundred miles of where their residency was yeah. because I mean, it makes sense, right? Like you just spent four years like developing your professional network right. in the place where you are and it's, you know, where to refer to, you know, all the pharmacies, you know, all the towns around, you have a house, you have, you know, whatever, like it makes sense to stay where you trained because yeah. you've lived there for four years. And this is the part that makes me angry about this because it's such a, cynical thing to do to be like, okay, now we're going to enact this law that we know is going to fail in order to, you know, achieve this uh, ridiculous goal of overturning Roe v. Wade. And the casualty of this is the health of my daughter, my wife, the women I love, and you people. Well, you guys are leaving, but you might want to come back. Well, maybe. And maybe not now. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, That's the part that pisses me off. Yeah. That's the part well, that makes me really, uh, I'm sometimes I. I know. Yeah. Like when I was on the interview trail, some, there was another state that's very similar to Iowa who the residents were like, there's like, was a bill at the time in the legislature and the residents like, oh, it'll never happen because if that happens, we'll have to like pull out our residency. And I was just like, huh, you don't think that will ever happen? Yeah. If they're if if like they're gonna just did. if they're gonna fuck around with women's health, yeah, because they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about your job, right? No, yeah, yeah that, I think this, yeah, it make they don't care. No, they don't care. Okay, so Duh. now we're gonna move to a little bit of good news. Oh, good. So the state that I am moving to, South Carolina, they just had a similar bill in their le- state legislature. However. Their Democrats um, successfully filibustered to avoid a vote on this bill, so it did not go anywhere. Basically died on the floor. So this is, like, great news for the women of South Carolina. Um, and me in the future, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. But, um, I mean, it just, like, shows that, like, people do care. Like, people are actually doing their jobs. So, actually, this is, like, kind of funny because my cousin works at the state house in South Carolina, and she, like was posting on like Twitter and Instagram about how like she was like this was like before they successfully filibustered she was like my paycheck's gonna be fat but it's not worth it like seeing my like human rights being taken away essentially mm-hmm. and she was talking about how like so like there's been like multiple things written about it that was basically like this is they like stayed so late they 
I guess they like usually only work till like Thursday. They usually have Fridays off, I guess, but they like all came in on Friday. They like were canceling vacation plans and like doing all the stuff to like stay and like filibuster so that this like was being avoided. And it just like gives me like faith in our democracy yeah. that like people actually were doing that, which is great. Um, and she, I haven't like found this anywhere yet, but she also said that it like, oh yeah, here it is. Um, the way that like this bill was written is even scarier than our bill because it was written very broadly um, and like could have been interpreted to ban like IUDs and birth control pills. So like could have banned like all forms of birth control essentially. And so like it's really good that this got didn't get passed because then I literally wouldn't have a job. Right. Like if you couldn't prescribe birth control in South Carolina, like I would have like no job. what else would you do? Right. At this point, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like obviously like people need gynecology for other reasons, but that's like a huge part of our job. Right. And yeah. like, yeah. Anyway, so um, it's just I mean, it's good. It's like very, very good that this was not passed and like not signed. But um, yeah, I mean, this is like the state of women in the U.S. is like our basic human Under rights. Are becoming, yeah. Corbin, you're going to Texas. Yeah. What is the state of abortion uh, or choice in Texas? Uh, I think there's a waiting period. And there's only like, there's very few places. Yeah, the way they restrict abortion is actually more through like geography Geography. as opposed to... uh, Legislation. Yeah, their legislation is like very restrictive about like who can have a like the requirements for clinics basically and so it really drastically limits the amount of clinics that can be open Mm. yeah right and like when you think about how big texas is like a third of the united states right like it's it's huge and so there if there's there i think there's i like six or nine providers in the whole state or something like that yeah and so like if you think about like how far these women are having to drive and then if there's a waiting period like we're we already talked about this, but like if there's a waiting period, then you either have to drive twice or stay somewhere. This is yeah. like a huge burden. Yeah. Um, so there's actually Texas is like featured in a documentary called Tractor. What, what's the name of the documentary? I don't know. Basically, the idea is legislators pass things like they're called trap laws. And basically they. Yeah, it's aim, called trapped. Yeah, trapped. Um they aim to like target abortion clinics and like just drastically overregulate them to the point that they can't stay open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. and there are always things that like sound good on paper, but then you realize that you're like, it's like, for instance, doctors have to have like admitting privileges right. at a hospital. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, the, you know, like pr- procedure of abortion is more safe than actually giving birth. Right. And if someone does need to go to the doctor, there's an ambulance, you know, that. So. Right. Things like that. Or like the amount of equipment that. If you really want to know more about this, I highly recommend watching this. Yeah, maybe we should watch it and like as an episode, you know, oh, like yeah, talk, about, talk it. about it. We should yeah. do that. That'd because be actually the one of the doctors they feature is a graduate of the University of Iowa. And he's awesome. Dr. I met Willie him Parker. last year. Yeah. And he has a book out. I would think we're going to try to do that yeah. for the book club. Well, we'll just talk about it. So his book is called Life's Work. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I own it. We're going to do it as a book club. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's just awesome. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter because it's very fun. And yeah. he's so awesome. So anyway, that's how Texas regulates women's bodies. Yeah. Though they often have bills come up. And fun fact, New Mexico has zero bills 
zero legislation about abortion. Really? Noise. Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of like the cowboy mentality of yeah, I regulate so. anything, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If I were to guess. A lot of libertarians in the US. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so then like, whenever I'm faced with this like terrible feeling of like our world sucks, I'm always like want to know what I can do about it because it like helps me from just like falling into a depression and hating everything. So my thing of like what you can do about it is first of all, find your like local local abortion clinic, your local Planned Parenthood affiliate, like who someone in your community and like donate money to them. Because like Corbin just said, the way that they regulate them basically just like makes it so that's cost prohibitive for Mm -hmm. them to like keep up with the regulations and if you are donating money to them you are helping that the second is to like call your senator call your congressman or woman um you know like just make your voice heard and vote in november Anyway, okay, so the third thing we're going to talk about. I have done all of those things. Good job. Thank you. Way to, way to go, Dave. I'm going to when I have money in two months. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Could okay. be uh, sustaining, you know, just give a monthly. Yeah. You can write, it's a tax write-off. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so the last thing is the most hopeful of the things, and that is um, not in the U.S. So on May 25th, uh, Ireland will be voting to repeal the Eighth Amendment to their constitution. Um, so the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution of Ireland basically makes the right of a mother and the unborn child equal in so far as the doctor has to take acts to save both of them equally. So there is, you know, basically like a pregnant mom is worth as much as like a bundle of cells, essentially. So, um, obviously, Ireland has a history of being a very Catholic country, and, like, Catholicism is generally viewed as extremely pro-life religion. Um, So this is all part of it. Um, But they finally are up to repealing, up to vote, they are having a national referendum to repeal the Eighth Amendment. So, um, I don't... Does that look likely to... It's very hard to tell. Yeah. Um, so actually, this is what I was just going to say. So um, there's a podcast called the Standard Standard Issue Podcast. Um, Standard Issue used to be like a web-based magazine for women about everything because um, basically the idea was to fight back on to fight back against women's magazines who basically just assume that women just care about fashion yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And um, Standard Issue has like sports column, a movie column, like every everything that you. Um, would want just as a person. Um, so anyway, so they've turned it into a podcast. They no longer have the online magazine, but moral of the story is, um, they just released two episodes on, um, May 9th and 10th, um, that are documentary, uh, like mini documentary series, basically about repealing the eighth amendment. Um, so I highly recommend everyone should listen to them. They interviewed a bunch of people from Ireland. They interviewed a bunch of doctors, women who've dealt with abortions, women who support women who need abortions, all this stuff. Because right now, the way it is in Ireland, if you need an abortion, you have to go to England. You have to like, yeah, you know, like go to London or somewhere um, to receive an abortion. So obviously, that's extremely cost prohibitive because you are flying somewhere or taking a boat or something. Um, but anyway, so. 
Yeah, so Standard Issue Podcast is what it's called, and then it's episode 109 and 110, um, and it's just documentary part one and two, Repealing the Eighth Amendment. Cool. So anyway, I highly recommend listening to that because they give way more detail than I could, and they obviously are way closer to it than I am, but if you live in Ireland, vote, and if you live in the UK, there are a ton of um, charities that are towards like funding women who do need to cross to the UK to get an abortion. And so that's a good place to give your money. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of things that you can do and it's like super important that women are allowed to make the choice for themselves. But anyway, yeah, that's like my soapbox. Well then, yeah, man, you got me all fired up. I'm sorry, but not really. I want everyone to be fired up. I know. I want everybody to be fired up about it. Let's get fired up. We are fired up. I have a fallopian file this week. Do you? The letdown on Netflix. Okay, I want to watch this. It's really funny. It's about a new mom. She's Australian. I just kind of love Australian TV, I think. Yeah. It's really funny. I love British TV. In my opinion. Oh, actually, I have a different fallopian file. I remember this. Speaking of the letdown, actually. So Sawbones, which I have talked about many times on this podcast, they're kind of like very similar to us in a way. But um, their most recent episode is about breastfeeding. More specifically, Sydney's like personal experience with breastfeeding, and she talks about the letdown on it actually. Oh yeah, um, both the like physiologic letdown and the show the letdown. But I just think it's like breastfeeding is like so sexualized in our culture, and like just has so many issues. And she just like is basically like, yeah, I do it, and I still breastfeed my three and a half year old and my newborn at the same time. And, like, deal with it. It's awesome. It's good for them. Like. And it's just like so wonderful to hear someone talk yeah. about it and like it's totally normal and it's good and it was awesome. But also we just had a friend of ours talk to us about how she had the hardest time breastfeeding yeah. Yeah. and she wasn't really prepared for that or like emotionally yeah. prepared for that and nobody emotionally prepared her right. for the fact that she tried her very hardest. Right. Like she could not have tried harder. You know, yeah. Breastfeed. That's not an uncommon story. I feel, right, like. Yeah. I feel like I've heard this many times. Mm-hmm. Tell me. So I feel like people just don't talk about it enough. Like that's the issue, right? Like I people just judge other people. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what the heart of it is. Right. And even she said and, and even she said, you know, like I she even admitted to a certain level of judgment about um you know what she thought, you know, she thought it would be easy and she mm-hmm. thought why don't people do this and all, you know, this right. this kind of stuff. And then and this happens a lot when you become a parent. Yeah. You realize that uh, you don't know shit mm-hmm. before yeah. you're a parent. I have a re- I have a theory about why we judge each other so much. Yeah, besides just it we, being this, human nature. This, this is, is the theory my, show today. My wisest theory, I think I have. It's okay. because we all feel oppressed and confined to the be the person who we think society tells us to be, and so we insist on enforcing that standard on other people because ah. we want <laughs> we don't want to be alone in our misery. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm I'm feeling that. You're like, if I have to feel the pressure of this right. expectation, so do you. Yeah. 
You know, you say this podcast Sawbones is like us, mm-hmm. but do they have a guy who doesn't know anything on it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Wait, did you seriously not know that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I've never listened. I feel like That's the guy who doesn't know anything thing. is the... He knows even less than you. <laughs> oh, well, that's how it's different. Yeah. I know a few things. Our, our guy knows stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he knows a few things, so... No, Tune yeah. in. Yes, oh, Justin knows nothing. That's the point of the show. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, my fallopian files for the week is the five seasons of Fringe available on Netflix featuring as its main character, uh, Anna Torv, or the actress as Anna Torv. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, and she is, her character on the show is just, you know, sort of a kick-ass strong woman who gets shit done. Even when she's confused. You. So, but also monsters. Yes. And weird science. And fringe science. Ridiculous science. Ridiculous science. I mean, you got to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. But my son and I are having a good time imitating um, Dr. Bishop. (laughs) Uh, I wish I could do it right now, but I'm not going to be able to do it. I have to watch the show and and then do it. That's mine. Nice. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Oh, well, this has been invigorating. Yes. This show. Infuriating. Infuriating. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Bye.